Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome to another episode of the Jets Grit for 60 podcast. Uh, I am sort of by myself today. Uh, My name is, as always, Brendan Farrell, um, also known as TCJ. Today, I am joined by um, a good Twitter friend, Brian Baston. Brian, how are you? Um, I'm doing okay, I suppose. We can start with okay. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's good. Thank you for having me on. I, uh, been excited to do this all day. So thank you. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, before we get into what we really want to talk about first, um, you know, cause it's been a while since, uh, you've joined us here. Uh, yep. what, like November, December, something Just like that. Yeah. Tell us, you know, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and, and what you do. Yeah. Uh, so I am a, a, a staff writer at, on the four check covering the Nashville Predators. Um, uh, was originally brought on just to kind of do purely analytics type stuff. Um, but I've been writing a lot more uh, on other things, not just not just charts and numbers. I'm not just the resident math nerd anymore. Um, but you can usually see, especially right now during the playoffs, um, I'm still doing some of the some of the data biz stuff. I've been posting game summary um game summaries of all the playoff games uh this this playoff uh this year uh and now i have it i have an easier twitter name now to remember it's just my name it's just at brian baston so if you ever want to see that um it's all there i've got a link to where they're all stored and stuff like that but yeah it's just been writing for the on the four check covering the predators and um yeah it's been a really really interesting year to be my first year covering a hockey team <laughs> yeah so Originally, uh, my plan was that we would talk a little bit about um, analytics and the Jets Flame series and, um, you know, because to me, the Jets and the Preds are kind of in a similar spot. And Mm -hmm. I I thought, you know, we would talk about uh, where our teams have gone wrong lately, you know, and the situations that they're in. But I really thought, I really thought, you know, I think the last time we talked, you know, I think we were still under the assumption that like the Jets and Preds were going to be the the class of the central for the next couple of years. And it hasn't really quite worked out that way. (laughs) Yeah. And then uh, this week happened. And um, as you know, some of you may know, um, especially our American audience, uh, the the shooting of Jacob Blake happened this week and of all the uh, BLM protests that have followed and then basically sports getting canceled for a few days. Mm -hmm. Um, Brian, you've been very active (laughs) Uh, about it on twitter so i figured uh we would start off with that first yeah um and and before before i go too far into um kind of how i've been feeling very publicly feeling about it i do want to say that um one of the things that's made me most proud of what's happened is the leadership of the players in the nba and what they did um you know to kick all of this off It, it was it was an amazingly brave thing for them to do for you know one team to say that they were sitting out and you know put themselves at risk in the middle of their playoffs to forfeit a game if you know because they weren't going to walk out on the court and then everybody followed suit and you know a guy that's very polarizing to to fans you know LeBron James 
you know, kind of up the ante even more. And it's been really great to see, see what they've done. And, you know, that was possible too. And I can't, I, I don't want to, I don't want to leave out the contributions of what, what the players of the WNBA have been doing and have been doing almost this whole year, you know, not just this week, but, but, you know, after the, after the killing of, of um, George Floyd and everything like that, like they, they've been really great, you know, leaders and, and social, um, you know, role models to look up to. And so, you know, looking at them and, and, and several, you know, baseball, uh, baseball teams did the same thing. It was really great to see. And um, I figured like most that, that hockey would follow suit, um, especially, you know, after some of the things they did earlier this season, uh, the last time the same type of issue came up and again, like they did when, when the COVID outbreak started, they drug their feet for a day um, and waited for until the very last moment to say, we're going to postpone games for a couple of days. Um, you know, and, and, You've been you've been a hockey fan a lot longer than I have, um, and I, I wanted to. I wondered what do you what did you think about how they handled just the initial part of this this whole situation? I was really disappointed, and I think that I've almost felt uh, more frustrated that they did or they acknowledged it at first, and then just said we're just going to do like that moment of, of silence, mm-hmm. um, and it's like. It's almost to me like more insulting, <laughs> right? Yeah, I think so too. Especially since they only did it at the first game. They didn't do it at the second game that night. Right. They just went it, straight on. It was very weird to me that the NHL was like the only team or the only league to carry on as mm-hmm. if like things were totally normal. Right. Um, you know, yes, there were a few baseball games on that night. There were, you know, uh, a couple MLS games. Or there might have been just the one because I think it happened. I think the... Um, Yes, it was I, Nashville. I don't, don't want to. I don't want to call it. I don't want to call it a, a boycott because it doesn't seem right. I don't know. Strike. I'd say strike. I mean, this has all been a strike because yeah, kind of. But I also still feel like strike has that um, sort of collective bargaining notion to it. So, yeah. uh, it's, I, mean, I will say all of this has been, you know, in other sports, but I, I think now they've said in hockey too that it's all been very player driven, and so. I tend yeah, to that's think more really cool strike, the, the real on the strike level, but yeah, I see it. You know, it's it's, um, yeah, it, <laughs> it's just been something to watch to see how the different leagues react and and the, and the people that you you hear from from them. It's 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 been, I say, interesting because uh, yeah, that's probably the best word to describe it. I think at this point. Well, you talked about um, just how player driven it is. I think the best thing or one of the best things that came out of it was Dylan DeMello just bodying people on Twitter today who were <laughs> yes. basically telling him to, to shut up and, and stick handle. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, and, that, and that was, I mean, that's something that you don't, you don't see a ton of in hockey. I mean, I've been a huge football fan my whole life and you know, you see some of that type of like trash talk, things like that. And to me, it's like, it's, it's pleasant to see, see hockey players, let their personalities out a little bit, especially for a good reason. Um, and so like, I really, really enjoyed Dylan DeMello uh, doing that. I was really jealous. I was like, Oh gosh, I wish, I wish I had, you know, we had somebody who was doing stuff like that. But um, I mean, there yeah. are a lot of great hockey reasons to keep Dylan DeMello around in Winnipeg, mm-hmm. but uh, I would also be totally down for them keeping him just because he 
bodies people on Twitter like that for, for yeah. good causes. That's right. Yeah. Um, it, it, yeah. It reminds me of that time when, um, when Nick Benino said that he was, uh, wasn't going to resign with Pittsburgh and he's going to come sign with Nashville and some dude, uh, you know, called him like, you know, said that like, Oh, you're betraying us and you're leaving us, blah, blah, blah. And I think all he did was he just said something stupid. Like, He's like, yeah, but like my like my arms fit my sleeves, and if you looked at the dude's picture, you zoomed in, like they were like his sleeves were like a foot past his arms, just for no reason at all. But it was just kind of like, all right, like cool, I suppose, like that's awesome. So, yeah, uh, it's it was it's good to see um, um, the player certain players really come out, and you know, because some of it's just you know your normal locker room can dancers, you know, um, and. They, you know, a lot of them are saying the same things they said a few months ago and the same things that are just very sanitized, very safe, and honestly mean, don't very, don't mean very much at all. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, I tweeted this out from uh, our Twitter account, but I, I've never understood people who try to chirp hockey players on Twitter when like, oh, that's yeah. basically their job. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been doing that for years. So uh, there's really nothing you can tell them that they haven't heard before. Right. And I think it was, um, Oh gosh, I'm trying to I'm trying to look that up now. It was somebody? It happened as I was, I was heading out of out of work today. Um, someone it was the guys that did uh, from the Lightning doing their press conference, uh, like actually kind of stuck their necks out and and um, you know like really kind of said said something to me that again I wish I I had. I'm trying to look it up right now, but you know it was it they they were you know they they put their necks out there a little bit more in support of what what was going on and instead of giving that you know, I just have a whole lot to learn about because I haven't experienced it and kind of stopping there. Um, yeah, they, that's right. They, it was, uh, Braden Coburn, um, said, you know, they kept asking questions. He said, and, you know, he said, no, I'm just going to answer questions about social issues. That's the only thing I'm going to talk about, you know, kind of what a lot of the NBA players have been doing for a while now. And again, like that's something that you don't see in hockey very often. And it was, it, it's, it's great to see that type of a thing. Um, but, you know, it's the, the NHL took their time getting to the point where they finally made the announcement. And, you know, I, my, my theory about why it took so long yesterday um, on Thursday for them to make the announcement is I think that the, um, um, the Hockey Diversity, Diversity Alliance, I think they wanted to make sure that when that announcement was made, that there wasn't a sound of the league came up with this idea i think they really wanted to push the fact that this was a player thing and so it took them a while and i was already a little bit annoyed that it took them this that long to do that and so i said look i said hockey doesn't have a great history of of this with this type of stuff so i was like i'm just gonna just keep track of you know every team i just want to see if they do something if they tweet something they can even it could even be they retweet somebody else like i just wanted to see and i figured it would be like a two hour thing, all 31 teams would, you know, get knocked out. We'd see the same kind of generic statement and time went on. And I think by the end of the night last night, uh, I think there were still just eight teams left. So I said, okay, that's good. And, you know, a lot of them were very half hearted statements or just retweeting somebody else, you know, not much of else, but the list dwindled down this morning and, you know, uh, the predators sat at the top of the list the entire time. And, um, again, I, I, I had said, I didn't expect them to today or yesterday to come out 
make a grand statement, um, you know, donate a bunch of money, say we're going to, you know, donate a bunch of money to charity right this moment. You know, a lot of these teams are teams that aren't in the bubble. Um, and so they don't have that opportunity to get players in front of a, in a press conference. Um, uh, <laughs> although that hasn't worked out for all teams, you know, uh, teams like Philadelphia who, Oh, the coach just didn't do very well, I think with how he responded to things, but um, but I wanted to give teams reasonable, you know, just, just, to, to, I wanted to give them a chance to, to just do something, you know, you take one baby step every day and people, you know, can say, well, that, that didn't really mean much, but like, yeah, but today that was what they did. And so wait for tomorrow for them to do something else, you know, and, and it kept going. And as of a couple hours ago, there were three teams left, um, Columbus, St. Louis and Nashville. And all day I had been trying to get Nashville to say something, to contact me back, to just ask why. I want to know why, what was taking so long. You know, there were probably five or six teams that just retweeted what the NHL had to say. And uh, finally, uh, yeah, I didn't want to drag the rest of the website into it because I didn't want to ruin the, the relationship, credentials and things for everybody else I, I write with. And they were like, don't worry about it. And so they sent a, you know, a website from our email, like an email from our website to the communications director and um, I did not expect the email we got back where they said we don't have any plans to make a statement and we'll let you guys know about what we want to do about social issues in a few days and we sat there kind of stunned talking to each other just going uh okay so you know we we talked about it and said what do we do with this and um, advice that was given was just tweet it out. Don't say anything else and just see what happens. And uh, about what I expected has, has been happening happened. And it's been, it's been very disappointing. Um, but I, I guess I can go into a little bit more of that in a minute. I don't want to talk your ear off this whole time. No, this is fine. So as of 704, they finally did put something out. I will let you read through that if you want. Um, uh, oh, the Predators did? Yeah. Yeah, they they waited until we started recording for you. Yeah, I wonder if they had any reason why they they put something out when they said they weren't going to. Yeah, that's why when you were talking about that, I was like, all right, well, let me go check just to make sure. Oh, look at this. Oh, yes. Let's see what they said. We've been asked to make a statement. Our statement is that uh, is that we are done with simply making a statement. Words are not enough. Now is the time to translate our emotions into action, just as athletes have done in recent days. Oh, this is going to be fun to listen to. Uh, we feel this is our duty to follow suit and put action into place using the platform we have to fight racial injustice and equality. These issues will not be eradicated overnight by a professional sports franchise, but we have to start somewhere, not only for us, but for the future generations who deserve to find this world better than how we found it. We don't have the answer we will make mistakes however we can assure you that we will work tirelessly with the current and former players the nhl the nhl players association and the hockey diversity alliance in the coming days to enact real change for years to come together we can be better together we will be better together we must be better the nashville predators huh isn't that something that's yeah. uh you know it's yeah. always going to be good when it starts off with we've been asked to make a statement mm-hmm. yeah no i think part of that sounded very um I don't know. It's like you ever get the feeling that like someone's talking and you're like, oh, it might be talking to me. Um, but yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to process that one for a little while. I don't really know if we're just a hockey team. We can't solve things is maybe the right way to go on that. But 
yeah, I did not expect that because they said it, they weren't going to make a statement. So hmm. the national predators are telling everyone that they have decided to just throw their hands up in frustration at the problem and hoping that it will go away. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And so I guess that leaves Columbus who hasn't said anything and I don't think they have still haven't. Um, they're doing goalie highlights today, it seems. And St. Louis talking about Petrangelo and how next season's going to be better. So I guess we're down to two who, teams who have not acknowledged yesterday. So, yeah. Um, well, especially because, I mean, Reeves used to play for St. Louis. I mean, of all the things like teams tweet about, like their former players or whatever. You know, the, yeah, the Devils were one of the first teams that I checked for and saw that, that they they made a statement. And I get the distinct feeling that if if number seventy six was still in Nashville this season, things would have happened a little bit different. Um, and, you know, and that was one of the pluses of having a player like him in the organization. You know, mm-hmm. and um, so yeah, it's been it's been it's been rough. There's been several things and I won't go too far into it, but there's been several things that I've, I've disagreed with, with how Nashville has handled things in the past. And um, again, I thought really by setting my expectations low for this, that, you know, I wasn't going to get disappointed. You know, you just, you go into it thinking it's going to be bad. Then you get pleasantly surprised. Um, But it was rough because I didn't see anybody else in Nashville I, I really hesitate to call myself Nashville media, but just it, you didn't see anybody else asking about it, pushing it, wondering about it really. Um, you know, and I had the normal amount of fans. I'm sure that every, every team has in their replies about supporting this stuff, but I had several people, you know, Oh, nothing's ever good enough for you. Huh? And I'm like, actually, yeah, you're right. It's not, um, you know, basic human decency is something that we can always, we can always improve on. And, you know, I was very upfront. I'm like, I'm not good at, at doing everything I could be doing either. You know, I'm just farting around on Twitter. This doesn't make, make me a better person than any of the pe- you know, people running the teams. It's just, that's what I'm doing. And, um, but it's just, it was kind of frustrating to see that, um, especially with, with the troubles we've had in the past with on the forecheck, not always having credentials up until this season, we'd had them, revoked for uh, a couple seasons I believe before I started and it's kind of just felt like well nobody else really wanted to risk anything and so nobody said anything and um, that's fine you know I uh, again I was more worried about ruining it for for my colleagues Um, I didn't want their credentials to to get taken for anything if they were going to get mad at us I'm not saying that they did or will but um you know, it, it's, I've learned a lot from some really great people on hockey Twitter. Um, a lot of, a lot of people, you know, people of color on Twitter who write about this sport and have been extremely frustrated um, for years at just the state of what's going on with things. And, you know, it's, I didn't want to just stop and back down because that's not helping. That's not putting myself on the line for anything. And again, I have no delusions of me saying I was some brave person for, tweeting out a list of names every a couple few hours, but um, I think it's time, you know, it's time to hold them to a higher standard. If they're going to pat themselves on the back for saying we did this, then I want to see what the results are. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that while the jets, they were 
one of the teams that waited until like this morning. I think when you I tweeted so. out, they were they were like one of like the last eight or so. I want to say. Uh, yeah, Jets were um, one of the last eight from last night, but they, I think they were the first this morning that I saw. I think overall the response has been fine enough that yeah, you know, it doesn't cause any red flags. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, I just figured um, I would at least give you the opportunity to talk about this. I appreciate that, and and really, I, I will admit I'm not very good at it. So, <laughs> and I'm not either. I again, I. I, I am I am a minority. I'm, I'm half Japanese, but I was my dad was adopted. We were raised, you know, he was in the military, so kind of raised all over. But my family's all from Tennessee, and so that was just it's never been like a part of who I was growing up. I never have experienced any, you know, discrimination because of it. And so I sometimes I hesitate to to embrace that just because I I don't feel like I don't deal with that struggle. But really, if you if you know. If you're listening to this, like listen to the the people of color the you know, um, especially women who work in the, in, in the industry, you know, they're doing really hard work. And for every one nasty re- reply that I get on a tweet, they're receiving 100, 200 of them in their emails, just awful, awful things. I saw several today that people, colleagues have been sent and, you know, listen to them. They're doing really hard work. And, it, you know, they represent something that is not been got, you know, they don't get enough focus. And, um, you know, I know there's probably a lot more stories like, like uh, Akim Alou, you know, everything that he went through for years in all the, from juniors all the way up. Um, it's not a, it's not a just recent thing, you know, it's embedded in, 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 some, in all parts of hockey. And I really hope this time will be something that really helps at least starts the growing process for it because I'm a relatively new fan, but I, I absolutely love the sport. I, I mean, it, I've just completely fallen in love with hockey and uh, they can do better. And I really hope that they do. So. Yeah. All right. Um, thanks, Brian, for all that. Uh, really? <laughs> like really, that's, you. It's, it's, it's good stuff. Um, uh, no, I appreciate that. I didn't you know. Um, I mean, either way, like Connor, and I, we were probably going to address this. So um, I'd love to know. It, it really helps that like, someone who is a little more involved with that stuff, what they think about it. Yeah. And, and, and it, it's, it was really, I don't know, it was interesting to see just the, the, the fan bases and how the different fan bases responded and things like that. And to see the players and um, there was a lot of good that did can't come out of today. And I don't want to paint it like it was this dark, dreary, bad thing, but you know, Again, I want to see what happens tomorrow and the day after and the day after, and hopefully something good comes of this. Um, I think more focus gets got put on the issue this time because we're all locked in our houses still. Um, so we'll see. And um, it'll be good to feel better about watching, watching playoff hockey again because I wasn't watching the other night. So, But, um, you know, for, for the two of us, um, or for Connor and I, Mm-hmm. You know, we come from a pretty white part of Jacksonville, like the just, you know, uh, I don't want to say Trump's America, but it's it's you know, uh, it's very, Jacksonville, very like white suburbia sort of setting. Yeah, Jacksonville's that is is. I lived in Tampa for a while. Jacksonville's that place where like the North violently meets the South, like all at one spot. It seems like that in Tallahassee. I think from the few times I'd been to both of them, it's uh. It's kind of weird. The further you go south in Florida, the more northern you get. So yeah, and yeah. then um, you know, pretty much all my friends growing up were white. Um, you know, and then right now, like I'm here at UF, and it's you know as mm-hmm. 
as good as it is that UF like tries to get higher and higher up in these college rankings, uh, what happens sometimes is that our uh, student body gets whiter mm-hmm. and more upper class. So uh, whenever you know, we kind of talked about, Karin and I kind of talked about this when the whole George Floyd thing came up, right? But um, it, it's not something we're very good at talking about. But uh, yeah, and that's uh, but that's okay. I mean, and I think that's the thing is that. You're one, you're admitting it. And again, I don't think I'm very good at talking about it either, to be honest. Um, but being willing to talk about it is, is means probably a whole lot more. And, um, you know, cause some people don't, they just don't want to, and they immediately dismiss it and you guys aren't. And, um, again, you, you know, you talked about how things are at UF. I mean, we, but we, we both go to, went to, to SEC schools and I can tell you that UT is probably not any better um i mean better in in most ways but not 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 in that way and <laughs> uh but yeah it's um you know it, you have to just learn because i mean you can't like like i had said before you can't you can't learn without taking that first step even if it's a tiny step and doesn't feel like much and simply talking about it, it's kind of the best thing you can do and i think you know you guys did a great job when you guys talked about it and so um you know hopefully we can get back to talking about hockey soon and because things are make moving forward and uh yeah yeah so uh, uh kyle trask florida starting quarterback mm-hmm. uh, basically tweeted a thing on support of blm and i do i dare not good. go into those mentions not yeah not taking a look at that but yeah <laughs> we, but good we'll, for we'll, him that's good to see yeah. that it, it's awesome but we'll we'll get back to a, we'll we'll go back to sticking to sports here and uh-huh. let's delve into um, some analytic stuff. Yeah. And uh, first, I kind of want to talk a little bit about the Jets Flame series. It's kind of been talked out a bit, but it's also no. kind of all we have to talk about with the Jets. Yeah. Um, so I kind of wanted your perspective on that first. Um, yeah. And so I, I expected, you know, it was kind of hard. I was, that was one of those series in, in the playing round that I didn't quite know. I didn't quite know what to expect because the Jets were <laughs> the the Jets were a baffling team to me as an outsider. Um, I mean, if if Hellebuck doesn't win the Vesna, I mean, I'll be mad. And I'm not a f- huge fan of the Jets, but I mean, it, he it was one of those where like nothing. It just seemed like he had to do it all, and it kind of baffled me just because it wasn't the Jets team that I remember like secretly loving to watch, you know, especially all those Preds and Jets games. Um, and then in Calgary, they've got – the talent they've got is just – it's kind of odd because it's, it's, it's kind of sprinkled here and there. And, and you know, you've got, you've got Kachuk who, you know, ruined my Halloween. Um, and, and, you know, it was just – it was interesting to see overall how that series played out. I mean, what did you – I'd like to know kind of what was your, and I know you've talked about this, but maybe, but just what was your overall feeling about that, that series about with, with Winnipeg, you know, in respect to them? Yeah. I kind of thought that while Calgary was probably just analytically the better team, mm-hmm. I thought that there was enough uh, shooting talent between Shifley, Connor, Line A, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And I thought there was enough, goaltending there obviously they could right. just sort of pdo their way to like a four or five <laughs> game win right yeah 
Uh, and that clearly did not happen uh, right. for a multitude of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but my general thought was, uh, and almost immediately at the time, when Shifley went down, I was like, that's a series. Like, you can yeah. just, you know, that's, that's it. Yeah, he, yeah, he's one of those guys that I guess, I think maybe na- nationally, I guess, like in other markets where you're not as familiar, like I don't think people understand how valuable he is to the team. Um, I mean, because he used to, he drove me, drove me crazy, um, you know, over the last, over the last year or so. But yeah, I, I really had the feel for how that kind of shook out because you go into this, you know, it's been what, it'd been four months at that time since between hockey games and uh, then for teams, you know, for teams to lose players and, you know, at the start of it, you're just kind of like, oh, well, you know, these people left their families for several weeks and then that's how it's going to had to come, come out. And it's, it's unfortunate. It really is. Um, we talked about Shafley a little bit in our last episode, but when it comes to just being an offensively dynamic player, like, there aren't many players like Mark Shifley. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially because, I mean, if you just look, the Jets were one of the worst teams in the league by uh, expected goals for per 60. Like, I think mm-hmm. the only team that was worse than them was the Red Wings. And I don't think it was by very much. <laughs> and, wow. Yeah, I mean, like... The Jets I'm sorry, were, I didn't mean to laugh, really. But no, that's just it's fine. It's the Red Wings, like, wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just in general, like, I think... By expected goals i think they were like expected goals for percentage like i think they were worse than the red wings were wow but um yeah i mean it's, it's always great company to have is is this year's red wings but yeah <laughs> uh yeah so when you take one of the worst uh teams offensively by expected goals and you take out their best expected goals driver like mm-hmm. things go downhill very quickly yeah yeah, I I would expect so. I uh, and it's been a little while since I've looked, you know, at some of these guys and and how, um, you know how they performed this season. But yeah, I'm kind of looking at some of the some of it now and looking at who like um, during for the whole season who or the whole series. Sorry, um, who ended up? Um, you know, Shifley had a 100 percent expected goals for percentage. Um, just happened in three minutes. But, you know, at least there was that. And then the next highest was Mason Appleton at a 52, almost 53% in expected goals. So him and Tucker Pullman were the only two that were above 50%. So, yeah, I can see why. I can see why that was a, that was a concern. Um, yeah, wow, those goals against numbers weren't – yeah, I, 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 only, I saw, I think, half the games. And, uh yeah, I don't know. It just didn't. It doesn't seem like the the, the Jets of of a couple of years ago. And I'm curious, maybe your thoughts as to as to why that is. Yeah. So I, just real quickly, I took a look at the regular season numbers. Mm-hmm. When it comes to offensive goals above replacement on evolving hockey, mm-hmm. Mark Shifley is the tenth best player in that department. Oh, cool. We're not going to talk about the defense, but um, <laughs> <laughs> that well, offense like <laughs> that offense is not replaceable. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you don't have you don't have a lot of good things to say about it. Um, oh gosh, I feel bad for forgetting his name now. Uh, the former Pred now. Um, oh, are you talking about Anthony Potato? Potato, that's it. Yeah, yeah. You're not, dude, that you don't have a lot of praise for him. <laughs> no, I was I was I was more so talking about the defensive side of Mark Shifley's no, game yeah. this year. But yeah, no. Um, yeah, that's uh, huh? What else? I mean, yeah. So. I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of curious to see. Um, 
again, I focused so much on the Predators. I didn't get to do as much on other teams as, as, as in previous years, but, um, you know, <laughs> with, do you think, I mean, do you think it was, it was, uh, it was Hellebuck that, you know, do you think Hellebuck could have done well enough if the regular season had completed as normal? Do you think he would have dragged the Jets into the playoffs? Like, you know, as a wild card. I just don't think so. I'd have to go back and look. I remember Dom's model had them at like 10% or something, mm-hmm. something crazy low. And I remember all the Jets fans being mad about it. But <laughs> I mean, I, I'd have to go back and look, but it, it's just like, I don't think so. Yeah, I think I think it was, I remember when it stopped initially and we, we didn't know how they were going to handle teams getting in. And I think, Nashville was the last team in over Winnipeg, I think just because of games played. I think they had, uh, I can't remember if it was, they had more or less games played at the time. And so I think the uh, Jets might've had one more. That might've been yeah. I think that the points percentage for, for Nashville was like, you know, 0.02 higher or something. And so that's what would have done it. But yeah, I don't, you know, the predators were, it just, it, there was some good things that happened once, once Laviolette was, was fired. Um, I, I'm cautiously optimistic about John Hines. Um, and there were some things that we saw that, you know, made a lot more sense than what we saw with Laviolette. There was no more having two defensemen on both power play units. Um, there was no longer 25 shots on the blue line every single game. So there was some improvements. Um, you know, they're taking a whole lot, they were taking a whole lot more quality shots, which warmed my heart, but then was get, like, they still were getting, you know, their expected goal percentage was got lower, even though they were taking better shots, which was kind of surprising to me. Um, the just utter decline of Pecorine. Um, we thought that it would happen, but not like this and not this quickly. Um, thankfully UC Saros had a very strong second half of the season, but you know, it's 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 getting kind of bittersweet to see what happens next year with with Pecorine. You know, probably the he's probably going to be the first predator. You know, whose jersey gets hung up in the rafters, and um, you know, a lot of people say it's it's too bad that you know he gave so many years to this team and we and they could never get him a cu- uh, a cup. But um, yeah, it just it was it's baffling. I think some of the teams because again, I thought I really thought the Preds and Jets were going to be on top of the Central for two or three years after the the playoff series a couple of years back. I, I mean, I was, I was a hundred percent confident at the time. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, the, where the Jets went wrong was not that they lost, um, you know, Truba and Sherratt and um, Tyler Myers. It was that their replacements were, about as bad or even worse. I mean, to the point where, like, they acquired Dylan DeMello, who, mm-hmm. by all accounts, like, was mostly, you know, a second-pairing, third-pairing guy. Right. Immediately put him at, on the top pairing. Mm-hmm. Like, just immediately. Right. And when you acquire a defenseman from the Ottawa Senators <laughs> and you immediately put him on the top pairing, that should tell you something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess that would, that makes a whole lot of sense. <laughs> um, yeah. That's gotta be rough. 
I you know, Nashville always has that opposite problem of like, ah, defense is fine. It's, we're going to plug a bunch of forwards in and see what happens, and then like, oh, it's going to be Kyle Turris. He'll fill it. He'll fill in that gap. No, okay, we'll get Mikael Grandlin. Nope. We're going to ship off P.K. Subban so we can get Matt Duchesne, who we've wanted for so many years. Uh, you know, it's – I guess it's kind of an opposite problem to have. But, yeah, I don't know. It's <laughs> – it's really um, – I think that now that when, – after when Laviolette was fired and, and we started to see some a lot of the same stuff happen, uh, several of my colleagues went – is it Poyle's fault at this point? And I'm still, I, I don't know quite for sure. I just think that something happens to players in Nashville. Nashville's never had a 40 goal scorer. Um, Victor Arvidsson set the franchise record for single season goals last season with 34. And it makes you wonder, I, and I'm still trying to figure this out myself, but there's like, what, what is the offensive black hole that happens to players when they come to Nashville? Um, you know, you look at like Radulov in Dallas and you're like, you know, would he have been this good, as good as he is for, for the stars if he had stayed in Nashville or, um, you know, Kevin Fiala leaving and exploding in Minnesota this year, you know, Minnesota not being the most, you know, offense minded team in the world. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. And I'm kind of advocating for next year, not necessarily to be a blow everything up and, and rebuild, but, you know, bring up the, the bring up a lot of Milwaukee guys, um, and like give them time to play, and just know that next season may not women may be a borderline playoff season. Um, it, you hate to see that for guys like like Pecorine who are in the last year of the contract, but I think if they go and try to do what they've done the last few years, which is keep most of the team together, and then go sign one big free agent, and then fill the rest of the team with like below replacement level players, like like Dan Hughes was and like Yannick Weber and they signed Ben Harper, but they put him in Milwaukee. I was deathly afraid they were going to keep him in, in um, keep him in Nashville, but they never did thankfully. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'd say, you know, for me, it's, they're going to lose Grandland. I think, I hope they try to keep Craig Smith. Um, Kyle Turris is probably going to get bought out. Um, you know, just fill it with some of these guys. Milwaukee was the best team in the AHL this season. So give three or four of those guys a chance. And three or four of them played about 10, 12 games this season. And were very good, actually. I was very surprised. Um, so, um, yeah, I just think that it's going to see. And it's, gonna, it's not going to be pretty. I don't think it's going to be pretty at all. But there's still some talent there, you know. You still have Philip Forsberg. And you still have Matt Duchesne. While his goal, goals were down, he's still a very good player. And you still have... Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis, which if there's anything that I, re- I regret about R- Roman Yossi having this amazing career year that he, where he should win the Norris is that it kind of overshadowed between that and Corey Perry it, that it overshadowed the great season Ryan Ellis was having. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, I, I think they can get back on the right path, but I think they're going to have to bite the bullet and let, let it get a little bit bad for a while and not bad, bad, not, you know, like lottery pick bad, but, um, you know, just mediocre. And I think that'll be the best thing I think for them because then they can rebuild and not get themselves into cap trouble because there's always the Shea Weber thing looming over our heads. So my favorite, uh, as a guy who also pays attention to the sharks is retool on the fly. Yeah. Yeah. That's about, yeah, that's, that, that, that's about right. 
So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's good. <clears throat> but so, so I was going back and I found Dom's thread where he had uh, like the game score leaders uh, mm-hmm. for every series in the first round or yeah. the play in round. I use those two interchangeably. My apologies. Right. No, that's good. But, um, and the Jets' top three players, I'm going to uh, remove Mason Appleton because he only played in one game. Right. Were uh, Adam Lowry, mm-hmm. Andrew Kopp, and Nick Ellers. Hmm. And that just uh, <laughs> it blows my mind a little bit. But yeah. <laughs> it makes me feel better because that's what my eye test was telling you, basically, was that Adam Lowry was their best player. Yeah. Which tells you basically everything you really needed to right. know about right. the Jets' flame series was that Adam Lowry and Andrew Cobb <laughs> were their best players. Oh, and uh, of course, our favorite player, Nikolai Ellers. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just, I still thought the Jets had was were going to take that one. Uh, I really did. And then again, like you said, Shifley went down. And I was like, oh well, too bad. I'm saying, you know, it's just. You know, because we're we're seeing it right now that the playoffs, and there have always been this way, is the best way to win and win in the playoffs is to have a hot goaltender. And I mean, if anybody had that, you know, coming into the playoffs, it was going to be the Jets. And uh, man, I don't know if it's just because of like the layoff and like guys are just aren't shooting the puck as well, or if it's mm-hmm. just been because of all the overtimes. Right. But the save percentages this year from starting goaltenders have been wild. Yeah. Like you could have like a 940 and be like the fourth best goalie in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's been it's been really it's been really crazy to watch because it's like it's just not the it's not what you usually see, you know, and so you know like you remove like the home team bias and you remove like playing on a different playing on a different rink, you know, every every few days and it's just like oh no, it all happens. It's almost like watching it happen in like a sterile laboratory now and it's it's crazy how much some of this stuff has been different. And then, you know, you see a bunch of close games, you see a bunch of bad officiated games, and then you see two, seven, you know, seven goal games in a row row. And you're just like, what's going on in the the playoffs this year? It's been, it's, it's been something to watch. Yeah. So, and then I thought that the other thing that kind of made us realize that we're both in kind of like a similar situation Uh is that we both have players who are, very firmly in you know the race for major awards obviously mm-hmm. hellbuck with the Vesna and roman yossi and the norris trophy mm-hmm. conversation though i mean clearly if you just sort by points uh john carlson is the better defense and 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 really i mean you get me i mean really uh points is by far the best stat to judge things yeah. by i mean yeah. that's, you really you really get me it's 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 it's, it's, yeah. it's heartwarming to hear that thank you <laughs> um yeah I, and we did the after the pause we did our site awards um for the stuff and, and yeah i mean i think i i tallied him up and, and hellebuck was by far the highest percentage as far as like you know votes for first place because i mean there's just i don't really think there's much of a question um it just makes me mad because i think the other candidates are tuca who played like 40 games this year mm-hmm. um i mean not really his fault but no. still like you know if if tuca can play 40 games and win the vesna then dougie hamilton should be up there for the best yeah, that's, that, that's for a, the norris put a pin in that and we'll come back to that later but yes yeah. um yeah i don't know i think if 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 Hellebuck doesn't win, 
that means that everybody who didn't vote for him for first place didn't watch a single Winnipeg game this season. I mean, I don't know how you can watch him play any night that he played and go, oh, no, he's he was not the best goaltender this season. I mean, it just – I don't think that it's even going to be close. I know y'all, y'all probably have some doubts, but I don't think there's – I really don't think there's it's gonna I think it's gonna be a landslide for, for yeah. the Vesnet. But but Vasilevsky has a bunch of wins. He's a better goaltender. That's true. And you know, just winning is really what matters. And so yeah. Just win, uh, baby. Yeah. Just win. I, I need to pull up I need to pull up oh Hellebuck's numbers again about like his goals above expected or whatever. Cause it's they're stupid. Like it, it's it, it's very similar to um, um He's legitimately lapping the field. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was almost as crazy as it was for um, John Gibson a couple years ago. Who, John Gibson by the way, was, didn't win. <laughs> yeah, that's Thanks true. Thanks for making me feel better about that one. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Cause, but, man, it was, it was like looking at it and it was like, I felt like, uh, and this is the, the, the dad coming out in me, but like, you know, Verdun and World War I, like it was just Gibson just standing there by himself out in the middle of a field. And he's like, all right, like, where's, where's all my cover? And they're like, no, there's nobody. You don't get a ditch. You just have to stand right here and just, <laughs> just please protect us. And he did it. Honestly, um, Gibson's first half last year is probably one of the greatest goaltending performances ever. It really was. It was, in, it was just insane to watch because, like, you it takes a lot to make me feel bad for anybody on the Anaheim Ducks, but I felt genuinely bad for John Gibson. Oh, the second uh, half of last year when they just had like full on second stage Randy Carlisle disorder. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Like, I felt so bad. It's like, look at how they have massacred my boy over here. Yeah. It's uh, it was something, but it's but, funny yeah. that you, you brought up uh, Dougie Hamilton. So I firmly, uh, I'll say this. I, I firmly believe that Roman Yossi, R- R- Roman Yossi deserves to win the Norris this season. Uh, the point total is only 10. There's only 10 points difference. Um, I think Yossi's got one more goal, correct? I think he's it's Probably, like 15 something to 16, like that. something like that. Yeah. Um, and... You know, I, I, if you'd have asked me before this season, I probably said I, I didn't think that would happen because Yossi's always been a very offensive-minded defenseman, and you know, in his what they would do is just they just outshoot the other team and control. He'd control the puck and everything, and they, you know, defense be damned, but they just kind of do it, and Ellis would cover him with defense, and then somehow, some something over the summer happened, and maybe the the $10 million uh, extension that he got, but um, yeah, he just came up and he's playing great. He played amazing defense this season. It was just something unreal to watch. Uh, You know, he's, he's defensively sound. He wasn't doing, and then as soon as he'd, you know, they'd get the puck back. Then you got to watch, watch him work and with, with the puck and, and, there's, you know, Connor McDavid. I'm not saying he's on the same level, but there's a handful of players when you watch them skate, you're just like, I don't know how they do it. And Roman Yossi is one of those guys. And he, he it's just, I don't know, it, it's great. And John Carlson is a fantastic player. And he had a very great season. I mean, a fantastic season. But, you know, I believe the terminology is, you know, for the best all-around defenseman. Um, and John Carlson did, isn't, all, you know, very all around i think he's just very off- offense minded and the, the point difference you know if it was a 20 30 point point difference i i'd give it to to, to carlson but I, I really think it should be yossi um but when we did our, our votes um every single writer on the staff voted yossi number one except for one and that was me um because i was like you know what this isn't the real vote and i think 
Dougie Hamilton's half a season was better than, you know, it was just so good that that's who I put as my first place vote. And I got a little bit of flack for that, but I mean, he's one of my, he's one of my favorite defensemen. Um, And so, yeah, but again, he's not going to get it. You know, he's not going to, he wasn't a finalist and I don't think you have to worry about Tukaras getting with his 40 games winning the Vesna. Okay. There's no way. Like how can Dougie Hamilton be the best defenseman in the league when he goes to libraries, Brian? Uh, it's museums, actually. It's even worse than a library. Libraries, museums, right? It's like, all nerd stuff. It's people yeah, it's who all, like it's all nerd stuff for introverts. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I don't know. He's, I just he's I not out there slinging beers with the boys. I mean, that's right. Yeah, Saturdays are for, Saturdays aren't for the boys. It's for museums yes. and looking at dinosaurs. You know? Uh, yeah, I don't know how he does it. That's still that is that was one of the I think that was when I started really started following hockey. That was one of the first stories that I saw, and I was like what are they talking about? Like, what do you mean? That's what, like, that's what the people are talking about. It's just, it, it, yeah, yeah. It, it's that, it just, blow, it still blows my mind. It reminds that me whole... of that scene from, uh, or not scene, I've seen from that, but there's a video. I don't know if you've ever seen it where the Bruins decided they're going to trade Tyler Sagan. Mm-mm. Have you ever seen that? Uh-uh, I haven't. It's, it's very similar to, uh, have you at least seen Moneyball? Yeah. Okay. It's like that scene from Moneyball, except Billy Bean's not there yeah <laughs> it's like the opposite of that scene it's right wild yeah it's like but like that's how these people think sometimes and i'm like yeah no <laughs> uh, it's it's definitely something uh, yeah it was like i think that like, that was one of the stories that i saw right after i kind of really started following it in depth and the other was just the entire meltdown of the senators after they were in the eastern conference finals and just like the insane list of things that happened from like the moment the conference finals ended to, I don't know, I guess you could say still now um, that it's just been like a, a dumpster fire there. And you almost feel bad, almost feel bad for them. But um, as, as a guy who is, you know, who also follows the sharks on the side, uh-huh. on my jets duties, uh, I don't like to talk about the Ottawa senators. <laughs> why is that <laughs> i don't want to go into it uh well, I'm, I'm i'm curious um why why i really don't, I don't know i actually do i'm curious you, you, you might want to check the draft order uh-huh I, yeah well yeah because mm, i still i still like carlson a lot and so like yeah no it's just that I like feel, i'm conflicted because uh, I, I, it's not that the sharks traded for carlson it's just that the way that like things went so backwards this year that people are like well in hindsight that was a really great move i'm like no do you know how many dumb things went the senator's way this year that like like at one point the sharks top center was barclay goodrow before they traded him <laughs> you know mm-hmm. yeah um i mean hey i love the game seven hero and all but <laughs> yeah and he's killing it in tampa but yes he is uh, he's been outstanding in tampa this series it was not eric carlson's fault that no. uh hurdle couture and basically just i mean everybody just went down i mean it was yeah is it it's it's weird because i also did some side duty covering the sharks for like a month back when they had the wildfires earlier this season they needed people because you know a bunch of writers didn't have power and so i covered like three or four sharks sharks games i don't i still kind of don't know how that all happened but yeah because i remember watching i was like good draw is really good and uh but no i find solace in this i think that they've got what ottawa's got picks is it three and five is that what yeah got? it's three and five 
both of those players will be on other teams in about four years. So don't feel too bad. Like, yeah, you miss- I, I just, it, it just, <laughs> it just drove me nuts too, especially last year when um, he had that thing where it was just like, he was playing, if you looked like at his analytics, like they were really good. Like mm-hmm. whenever he was on the ice, like the Sharks were just like steamrolling mm-hmm. the other team. Oh yeah. But the results were not matching the analytics. And people were right. talking about, oh, Eric Carlson's not a good fit. Mm-hmm or whatever and then he just exploded in like january and february or right whatever. but because of the injury and then the injury this year and the way that this year went is just all like oh eric carlson was never a fit in san jose he was never good and i'm like <laughs> he was good this year and his year last year was legitimately one of the best of his career but yeah. okay whatever fits your narrative no but it's because you look at you look at goals against i mean you look at plus minus because again plus minus us, is the best indicator of how good a player is that's right and you know and certain certain people in san jose um you know they stand by that metric of, you know a lot as they should and they they just you know they just don't they love eric carlson and never not quite ever bringing up the fact that goaltending was suspect um in san, in san jose but yeah I, I never i never got that but again then again i'm a nashville fan so i'm partial to defensemen and you know like high profile defensemen and it's kind of a weakness of mine so my favorite part about san jose is that like there are some people that want doug wilson fired mm-hmm. and i'm like that's great and all but actually it's not great and all but <laughs> you know that the guy that they've been grooming for that job is his son, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's what's good. I think that's what's going to happen in Nashville too. The people who are like, well, maybe, you know, Poyle's going to maybe retire oh, soon. Really? Does, does Poyle have his son working for the team? I believe so. I believe that's, I, really? I, I and so, yeah, because I mean, and I, I think the other prevailing thought is that he kind of is in that same tree of like, of GMs that have all known each other, like uh, Ray Shiro in, in New Jersey and stuff. And like, that's why you saw Hines go like get Former, fired. Formerly in New Jersey. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, seeing Hines uh, go like from being fired to being picked up by Nashville, like the day after they fired LaViolette. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. We'll see how, how it goes. A lot of the, I do try to question, you know, okay, yeah, we're going to fire this person. We should fire this person and get somebody else, but who are they going to get? And, you know, it's not college football where you're like, you go and look and you look at the, the hot, uh, head coach, hot you know, young head coaches from, from the Mountain West and stuff like that, or from the Mac, you, you know. What is the Mountain West of the NHL? I don't know. I, I don't even, I, it's so hard to compare, but it's just, but no, it's, it's like, there's, there's no such thing as an up and coming coach in the NHL because they just hire the same 40 guys over and over again. Well, I mean, you, I'm talking more like you look at, 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 cliff kingsbury and you look at what, what happened with urban meyer and you look at um you know it's yeah well no i hockey, get that hockey's a little bit more like they keep hiring belichick assistants and saban assistants and it doesn't end up well but then they keep hiring them again and again and again, right again yeah so it's, I've, yeah. I've i've just decided that like well i don't really like paul maurice all that much like Mm-hmm. the jets deciding that point shots was the best way to facilitate offense this year when mm-hmm they possess like one offensively good defenseman at Neil Pionk <laughs> and that's only on the power play. Right. Honestly, like, I don't know if I've ever seen, like, have you ever looked at uh, Neil Pionk's like RAPM? Mm-mm. It's hilarious. Cause he's like, he's like borderline average at like five on five. But if you look at his power play numbers, they're ridiculous. That's the same thing. I want you to, I'll, I'll look up his, I want you to look at Philip Forsberg's power play numbers. And just keeping in mind 
that Nashville was still 29th on the power play. Um, Cause he had, you know, Forsberg had a good season for the most part, but you have, <laughs> yes, you weren't kidding. There's, yeah, I, I, no, have to, I have, to, ra- I have to raise the Y axis to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. It's ludicrous. But yeah. anyway, um, just the Jets idea of, all right, our deep, our offense is going to be all point shots this year. Right. Like I, I don't get it. And to me, it's just like his, it seems like his system just doesn't work with the talent that they have. Mm-hmm. But while I think all of that, I've also just sort of decided that uh, sort of like goaltending is that like, it just doesn't matter unless it's at one end of the spectrum, like right. completely at either pole, you know? So like, I don't think coaching really matters unless you've got St. Louis blues, Mike, yo, mm-hmm. or I don't know, Mike Sullivan or, uh, you know, at that end or um, Tortorella or whatever. Right. Yeah. Other than that, like you've got like a bunch of guys in the middle who are just like, <laughs> who have all pretty much the same ideas. And sometimes teams are just like, all right, this guy's been here for too long. We need to hit the reset button and bring in a new guy. Yeah. And who's the same guy. You know, for them. Yeah. I think, uh, it, I think with, with hockey is a lot of these coaches, it's, I don't think that it's their, like their offensive strategy as much as how they play their personnel and what they do. Cause you know, Laviolette, as much as I, I had bad things to say about him towards the end of his, his career in Nashville, he's the perfect coach to come into a team that needs to get like put back on the right track. Um, he'd be, you know, he's, that's what he's good at. And he gets them, gets the team stable and then works them back up, but then he just doesn't change. And so the people get catch on. And so you're preaching to the choir when you talk about, um, you know, putting your entire offense based on point shots. I mean, I've never felt anything deeper than that, you know, because that's exactly how, that's how Nashville was. And you look at like someone like Roman Yossi's uh, uh, shot chart and he's just, you know, there's a ton of shots from the outside and he's like, he's got two or three goals that, you know, ricocheted in from the blue line. And then you see him, he's like, if he decides that he's going to take the puck into the circle, between circles, he shoots like 30% in there. And it's like, okay, do that more but it's you know he got better this season about doing it um but yeah the whole taking all your shots in the point i don't know maybe it does work but i i I hate it i hate it so much i mean it makes sense sometimes if you've got like uh brent burns and joe pavelski right like that makes a little more sense or i guess now with pavs it's him and mira haskinen yeah do you know um, who was you know who was setting screens for those point shots in Nashville for three four years? Was, uh, Philip Forsberg. No, it was Victor Arvidsson. No, Arvidsson. That would have been like yes. my second guess. Victor Arvidsson. Like, he's not very. He's not. He's not much taller than me. And his whole thing was that little jump screen he would do. And it's like they loved having those big power forward types, but never used them like that. Like I don't know. You put Victor Arvidsson in there, and then you wonder why he's getting injured because he's tiny. Um, Philip Forsberg would have been the obvious choice, but uh, well, with no. those power play numbers, because I just looked at them. I mean, I told you, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, like I said, it took three years for Javier to finally say, maybe we should do something different on the power play, and uh, yeah. So that's kind of you know one of those things is they get they get so stuck in their ways, and they you know. I don't know. I feel like your description of Peter Laviolette just sort of matches Pierre DeBoer. Like he's that guy. Yeah. Like if you like, if you need immediate results, yeah, like, Laviolette is the guy. Or, yeah, you know, I, Pete DeBoer is the guy. 
Uh-huh. But after that, you know, it's, things kind of go downhill. It's not like the sort of, um, like, Ali Vigneault thing where he's, like, literally only good for a year. Right. Before things just sort of snowball out of control. Right. It's that <laughs> you just get... Um, you just get smaller returns every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, and I think what happens is he comes in and, you know, uh, those, those type of coaches come in and they, okay, they're like, this is what I've got to work with and it's not great. And, you know, they start to get a few guys in again. You know, you're like, okay, I'm going to make this fit. Like, I've got this. I'll, I'll work my system to fit what these guys are. And then as the longer they get entrenched into the team, then they're like, oh, no, like, now this is my team. This is my system. I'm going to build around that. And then everybody figures it out. Like, no, this is exactly – you do the same thing every single game. Like, the Laviolette game plan was the same game plan every season. And in the President's Cup season, like, my biggest thing – I didn't have confidence in them making to the finals because I think – and this is naive. This is a naive thought because, again, I'm not as well. You know, I haven't been watching hockey as long, but I think you don't see the effect of coaching in hockey until the playoffs. And you know, Nashville was very good at winning these games because you know you got a day between games. How much? It's not like football where you plan, you game plan all week between games for that opponent, and then you play them. You know, I, I can't imagine that they do a ton of like we're going to work on this specific thing because this will exploit this team's weakness before we go the next night and play a completely different team. And, um, and I had, you know, I just, it was so predictable. The power play was so bad, but they still, you know, finished the regular season with the most points. And then, you know, we all know what happened in the playoffs, you know, it was the other teams coaches went, yeah, let's exploit what Nashville does. And, you know, if they're going to keep doing the same thing, let's beat that and then make them change. And they just didn't want to. And, uh, that was kind of, that was it. That's that playoffs was kind of the, for most people, that was that nail in the coffin being like, yeah, he didn't change a thing. And um, that's kind of, you know, you look at DeBoer is the same way. Um, you know, I don't know. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see, like, you know, we have this conversation, but I'm really like excited to see what like Seattle does. And um I don't know. I just, I'd like to see somebody different. My dream coach for the Predators has been uh, Ricard Gronberg, the Swedish national team coach. That but was, that like, was, that was going to be my idea for, to put in with Eric Carlson. Yeah. You know, I thought that would be fun, but I mean, I, I would just like to get another, like a European coach in there. Yeah. Yeah. You like know? something different, you know, I think it would just be, you know, you spin the wheel of, okay, like, you know, we fired our coach let's let's throw a dart at the big wall of coaches who were also recently fired and then get them. Um, and you know, it's like, it's like Gallant, you know, Gallant's got fired. It's kind of like, why? I mean, I, I guess it makes more sense now, but you know, that, but that would have been one of the coaches I'd have been okay with getting, you know, that was recently fired. But again, Heinz, I'm, I'm, op, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, I think. So I like Paul Maurice too. So that's, they may tell you what, what my, uh, my, my judge of coaches is, you know, <laughs> I don't know what, if that's a good thing or not for you. Cause I've heard mixed things from, from, from Jets fans. Well, I think the big thing is that there's just not a lot of change with the Jets. And mm-hmm. I, that's the frustration I think I have. And that most others have is that, you know, Chelsea Dayoffs has been there since they moved. Mm-hmm. And they've won what two playoff series since? Yeah, since they moved. I mean, that's 
at what point do you just run out of time? Or yeah. I guess for the pun, how, at some point, like Shell Dave has run out of runway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'd be if like, if there was an airport, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah that's right. They're the jets, but there's no airport in Winnipeg. That's right. That's or my, that's or right. Wi-Fi. There's no Wi-Fi. It's, it's the dumbest joke. And I don't know why it's still funny to me, but it's just, it, I don't know. I, I apologize. Last one I make. Go no, ahead. Continue. Was, no, my favorite one was um, when we were talking about how well Manitoba was doing with, uh-huh. um, with COVID. And I was like, yeah. oh, well, that's just because Winnipeg doesn't have an airport. Yeah. Well, that, and you probably didn't have the 5G to spread it like, you know, that oh, everybody yeah. thinks down, you know, yeah. things around here. So, my, yeah. my apartment here just upgraded to 5G. So, uh, oh, I, I don't know. This might be apologies. the last one. Yeah. My apologies. I'm glad to be on the, on the, uh, series the last, finale of the last show. One. Yeah. Uh, but, um, <laughs> yeah, but then Paul Maurice has been here since halfway through 2014. Yeah. You know, at some point it's gotta be like, at what point do we realize, hey, that there are greater aspirations than making it to the Western Conference Finals once in eight years, ten years, whatever? Yeah, I'm looking at his. I'm looking at his. Uh, his his like the history, his coaching impact uh, uh, on hockey viz, and he's been remarkably average every single year. Like I think in. Yeah, like his offense is almost at always at you know negative one, negative two percent. But the, I mean, I'm I'm used to looking at Laviolette where it was like negative twenty. Yeah, I was gonna say Laviolette was the only one where offensively, like I forget this year if it was like minus ten per. It was something crazy, like minus twelve percent offensively. Yeah, I that was, was like the only time I've ever seen a coach's impact above like three percent. It was, I think Micah told me he saw that and he like immediately went back to be like, something went wrong with like the calculations because this isn't right. And uh, no, that's, that's, that's what it was. That's um, crazy. Cause you, I mean, like usually the impacts aren't much, which, um, you know, gives credence to my idea that just coaching doesn't really matter unless it's one way or the other. Right. Like, ent- like entirely one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I remember looking at that and I was like, oh, <laughs> that's not it's, what i thought it would have been yeah I, I i was looking back someone showed this to me the other day that when heinz got fired i pulled i showed like i pulled, pulled his his isolate impact and i was like you know heinz has been yeah not so great and he's kind of regressed a little bit and i was like but i was like you know he's not he wasn't as awful i think as a lot of devil's fans thought and my comparison was peter laviolette's and you know that just happened to be the two that i used for comparison being like it could be worse you know it could have been a lot worse because laviolette's was just awful and uh yeah it's like i felt like i I spoke it into existence um (laughs) but uh yeah oh gosh i don't even know why i went down that road those sometimes sometimes the analytics make me sad and you know i wonder why i do this that's that's the best way to put it the analytics (laughs) make me sad that's right i mean because i'm not watching the hockey game so i I don't have like that's that's what that's what the jets were this year i mean (laughs) legitimately like if you go back and you look since they ever started keeping track of expected goals Mm -hmm. i think i looked one day and it was like the only teams that are worse than the jets in expected goals for percentage Mm -hmm. were like lottery teams like i think there were like three oilers teams that were worse yeah like legitimately teams that were just god awful it was like three oilers teams a couple savers teams and like the 2013-14 Maple Leafs who somehow made the playoffs before, mm-hmm. you know, that thing happened. Yeah. For, <laughs> yeah. Was it 2013? Oh, I guess it wasn't that year. I don't know. It was one of those yeah. years where, like, the Maple Leafs were 
not good, but like PDO'd their way in mm-hmm. before like completely collapsing the next year. It really is funny too. With you talk about PDO, you know, riding the PDO wave, and it's kind of like you know, PDO's like, uh, yeah, it's not that real. It's not an advanced stat. It really, it's just two things added together. I can't even tell you what PDO stands for. I don't even think it stands for anything. I looked it up and I can't remember either. I think it, I think it's one of those where it's like it has something to do with like the person who coined it and it's like part of their name or something. But yeah, but you know, I think a lot of that that the the oh PDO drives this up. I think it's just like it breaks down to more. It's goaltending, you know, it's goaltending that drives it. Because like, I mean, you can have like people, you can have teams that shoot hot, but it, I think being really good having a really good goaltender to playoffs is you know look at pecorine during the cup run and the team just falling apart in front of like literally just like body parts falling off of players you know and they're they're icing three or four ahl players by the time they got to the to the finals (laughs) against pittsburgh um that you got to have a hot goalie to kind of let to go and so we'll see um what do you think of the teams that are left so far I mean, I, I think it's. I think the West is pretty much all for Vegas is taking. Um, hmm. You know, I was going to say it was going to be Vegas and Colorado, but Colorado still got to dig themselves out of that hole. Yeah, and so it's kind of tough for me to say that. Um, you know, Vegas. Yes, they have that question of who are they starting in goal, and. All that nonsense. <laughs> whoever whoever doesn't have a sword in their back, I'm sure. How dare Vegas pick the better goaltender and try to win hockey games? Uh, I, I I begged when I was putting together a, a links post for the website. I was like, "Can I please put that as the cover picture?" And like, "No, don't do that." And I was I was like, "It makes me so happy just that just the absurdity of it." But yeah, I can't um, imagine being Pete DeBoer and going from San Jose, where your options are death and. <laughs> pretty much death and goal yeah. to like a decent goalie and flurry and then robin leonard who everyone yeah. just seems to like and is pretty good <laughs> like i don't it had to be nice it had to be a fantastic he has a goalie controversy for all the good reasons <laughs> yeah it's probably they probably had negotiations and they're like yeah so we're the thing about offering you and he's like yes no, I'll do it. Like, I don't care. I'll pay you a little bit. I just want, I want to see what having good goaltending is like. Uh, I, yeah. Uh, so you, do you think it's going to be Vegas? You think Vegas in the West is going to be? I, I, I think Vegas in the West. And I think whoever comes out of that Tampa Bay, Boston series. Yeah. I still, I'm just it, not impressed by either the Islanders or the Flyers. Uh huh. Like I get the Barry Trotz love. I, yeah. I get it with the Islanders. They play some, uh, let's be honest, some really ugly hockey. Oh, trust but, me, I'm, I'm familiar. Like the Flyers have also played some pretty ugly hockey in the in the postseason. I still haven't figured out what's going on with them. Yeah. Like I remember- all their big stars haven't done anything, and yet they're here in the second round, and they look uh-huh. pretty good the other day, so I don't know. Yeah, it's weird because they're that team on paper. Like I thought that – like they were going to kind of steamroll through the first couple rounds in the East and they've taken every single game. It's, it's taken a lot. It's taken a lot. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, I think, I think you're, you're, I agree with you though. I'll, you know, whoever comes out of Boston, Tampa Bay, um, it's going to be, it's going to be a good series and it'll just be interesting to see who comes out. But I, I think that's going to kind of be the, the, the favorite in the East, but I've not, I'm not given up on, 
on the Avalanche. Um, I wouldn't I, either, but it's just hard for me to say the Avalanche when they're losing in their series right now. It's just one game. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's still... I was gonna. I, I was gonna try to give an example about the Preds being down in a playoff series and coming back, but I'm coming up blank on yeah. that. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, still, like they would have to win three of their next five if you think about it that way, which is entirely possible for a good team like the Avalanche. But I'm are. just saying it's very difficult in the playoffs to pull yourself out of a hole, and I just don't feel like saying, "Well, my favorite in the West right now is losing in the second round." Yeah, I mean, the part of me too is. I, what Dallas is doing doesn't seem sustainable either. I mean, they're not either. I'm not, and Grant, this could just be that they've gotten better, but like they're not this offensive juggernaut and they've never been this season. Oh, they're not. They just have uh postseason activated Joe Pavelski. I mean, what else? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but will that last? I don't know. I just, I see Colorado's game. I just see them continuing to play as fast as they do. And, as as the series goes on, say they make it to a game, a game five or game six, even if they're behind, that's when McKinnon's gonna, you know, that kind of, his that kind of player will take over a series like that because I just I, I've seen enough of Dallas that I don't know that what they're doing is sustainable, and I think the some of the slumping the slumping that that Colorado has been you know been experiencing is also like it's not them i don't know i just still think that they're the team in the in the west um it'll it, that between them and vegas it's getting a little bit harder now i think i'm it's vegas's stock is rising with me but i, I still think it's going to be colorado and the scariest part is i think they're going to be good for a while though we've spent most of this episode talking about how i said i know teams are going to be good for a while and then been wildly wrong so but I don't know. I just have this horrible feeling in my gut that the finals are going to be Vegas and Boston. And I just want to root for the meteor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, You know what? Uh, It's too dangerous to play hockey right now. (laughs) I will say I I was really worried when, when all this started because like there were just so many teams that I was like, I don't, I don't want them to win because I don't want to see them get into the playoffs further but I don't want them to lose because like the thought of Pittsburgh or Chicago getting number one pick, like I, it, it gave me a physical reaction every time I thought about it, like a full on, like my body's rejecting this. Um, and so I am a little bit happy that I think really out of all the teams that are left in the playoffs, that Boston's like the one that I have, like, and it's not even really the Bruins themselves that I have an issue with. Just, I think it's all Boston sports. I just have a reaction to, um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I think for me, it's as a guy who's a fan of two teams that came about from uh, the 90s expansion. Right. Um, that a team could just be like, yep, we're going to win a, the cup in our third year after making the cup finals in our first year. Right. Like that just bothers me so much. It makes me so angry. It, plus, yeah, whenever it, like a Vegas fan chirps me now, it'll be like, well, we won a <laughs> cup in our third year. What are you going to do? It is super annoying. And I will say two things about them and what they did is one, they saw what Nashville did and how they marketed themselves at the cup run and said, well, we're that kind of city too, but even more. And they oh, leaned into it and it worked. Um, and two, you know, like NHL GMs and coaches are predictable, like we've been saying. And I think they, they, played, they played it exactly the right way. And I think I'm hoping that most of the teams learn their lesson and will not fall prey because they like – if any team expansion team is going to, you know, 
swindle their way through this next expansion draft is going to be Seattle with, with the staff that they've got. And so I don't know. We'll see if they've learned if that was the message to GMs and to coaches is to like, you can't keep just being doing the same thing you've always done because Vegas, like they knew what they were doing. They had a whole year to think about it. And uh, it just bothers me that they're also not a part of the expansion draft as well. That, uh, that I do not agree that with. Sticks that sticks in my cross so much. That, that, that makes me so mad. I mean, then people are like, Oh, they don't get the money. They don't get the payout to that Seattle, you know, from Seattle joining. I'm like, no, they Great. should be. like only like three people care about that. Yeah. It's like, come on. And I don't have any sympathy for the guy who owns the, who owns the Knights not getting you know, more money, you know? Yeah. It's uh, that, that's, that sticks in my crawls, them being exempt from this draft. Also, uh, it's just like, I feel I, the thing that makes me mad is that like all the teams that screwed this up, like Columbus and uh, Florida, mm-hmm. and I'm like, those teams don't have to deal with any of the consequences, that's right? True. Like it's only my team that keep <laughs> having to deal with this nonsense. Yeah, it's just like, what did I, I do to deserve this? <laughs> I'm very glad that it's Seattle's not coming. Like, I think there was some talk that like that you know they weren't sure when like Vegas before Vegas and Seattle came in like where some of the teams are going to end up. And at one point, I'd heard a lot that like Nashville would go out east, and that would have been a nightmare. But I think now it's just the Central's going to add Arizona, and seeing the um, absolute just disaster that is rapidly becoming like i'm cool with that i think next season with or two seasons from now because man you look at what they did what's gone on with them that's it's un i mean I say it's unfortunate they kind of did it them they did it themselves but um but you know they did all those all those people they did they got they got us computer boys us analytics guys and said you know they fired john jacob that's well, how do you feel now, math nerds? And I had to admit, you know, they got me. It was As opposed to all of the good teams to have math nerds on, on their <laughs> staffs. Right. Yeah. So that, that, that's what makes me want uh, Seattle to kill it is that, uh, one, they're not in the Jets division, so we're mm-hmm. good. And two, uh, they have very clearly hired a bunch of stats-oriented people. Oh, yeah, and they're awesome people, too. And they're smart. Like, they know hockey really well. And, yeah. the you know, like, uh, <laughs> they know – they know what to kind of they know they know what to expect. They're built around it, and I I, I really I enjoy what Seattle's building. I love what they're doing with their staff, like like Namita. Like I I, I love she's the greatest. And um, but I have been saying like I cannot wait when like expansion t- t- uh, draft rolls around. I cannot wait to that love to turn like into just intense burning hatred because they're going to be doing all the things that like. I, I every day gripe about like, why can't the predators do this? And they're going to be doing it. And it's going to make me so mad because you know, they're going to, they're going to focus on taking high quality shots and it, it may not look a lot different, but then their coach will say like, you know, we've been looking at things like expected goals and I'll just be, I'll throw out my hands and just be like, okay, yeah. Yep. Okay. Like that's awesome. See, I, get, is, I don't get that. Is that similar to how Paul Maurice was saying that their in-house numbers have the jets as a much better team? Hey, it's not as bad as 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 what the uh, when when the Penguins said that um, their their internal yeah, right. analytics made Jack Johnson a good player. <laughs> Man, I need to I need to know these internal metrics so badly. Like it, you know, it's like grit, and you, you, you reach a point. Oh, grit per sixty, you say? Yeah, yeah that's right. I, I left that wide open. Come on, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you're just like John Carlson beating <laughs> beating me, Alexander Ovechkin, a nice one timer, and then you get a that's point right. for it yeah that's right uh yeah oh, yeah but, 
Uh, I will say, like, before all, you know, hockey kind of, like, ground to a halt, I think the happiest, like, 10 minutes I'd had in a while was that 10 minutes where whoever that was reported that, like, Jack Johnson was going to go to Toronto. And, like, even when I saw it, I was like, that's probably not true. But just that 10 minutes of believing that that was going to happen could have sustained me for, like, a week or two. See, I was just like that doesn't make sense with Dubas there. I was like, there's no way. It doesn't make sense, but that's what there's made it no even better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what made it so good. Uh, you know, so yeah, it's, it's something. But yeah, those, their interim numbers are always better. That, that Penguins trade would have been a lot better if it was just them sending their first round pick to Toronto for Jack Johnson. <sighs> yeah, that would have been great. That would have been fantastic. <laughs> uh yeah because I, I, it's just it could it could you know as much as i wouldn't want to see like pittsburgh get that pick for, for something like that just just toronto and their media how they would have handled that i mean you know, honestly was, like teams that just sort of teams passing around the same like 10 coaches is funny but like teams just passing around the same like 12 bad players all the time is even funnier Oh yeah. Like yeah. every time uh, Eric Goodbranson finds a new home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like, that's like the, first... the Canucks sent him to the Penguins in an obviously very bad trade. And then the Penguins somehow sent him to Anaheim in an obviously very bad trade. Like I love that stuff. Like, yeah. Give yeah. me more of that. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and the, I think the best thing was, was that thinking about Jack Johnson going to going to Toronto, I was like, we could get Cody Cece and Jack Johnson on the same pairing. And could you imagine, like, could you imagine what that would look like Two players that, you know, internally you're just really good. Um, that, uh, that Cody CC like missed shot, like the one where he like lines up for it and he misses by like 12 feet to the right. That just sent me to like a new level. Like I mm-hmm. need more of that in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I've really, I've really learned. I mean, I've always been this way, especially like college football and stuff, but like, I really thrive on pettiness and things like that. Like those type of things really like really drive me when like my, my, my favorite team depresses me like, Oh, just being petty about other people's teams is much more fun. Oh no, believe me. I'm I'm hyped about Florida getting another chance to beat Lane Kiffin again. So, (laughs) you know, and just part, uh, part of me really thinks that it's going to either crash and burn or he's going to like beat Alabama three years in a row and that's what's going to happen. And he'll win a title and then they'll vacate it in a few years after that. You just, you don't know what that, what you're, what's going to happen with him. I still have trouble hating him, to be honest. Um, I think it's more because of what came after him that made him seem like awesome for te- as, as a Tennessee fan. But um, yeah, I think I'd said to you a few, a few weeks ago, I'm very, very excited to, Usually my season, my college football season gets ruined in week three, and I'm glad that uh, we're waiting to the end of the season this year to uh, let it happen then. Oh, yeah. Believe me, that uh, that game a couple years ago when it was uh, Mullen versus Pruitt for the first time, that game that game also <laughs> sent me to just another level. That was fantastic. Good stuff. I, I tell you, so my, I, I, I lived all over. Like I went to middle school in the first half of high school when my dad was stationed in Japan, and um, – so I moved to Florida to Tampa in 2004 and that was Ron Zook's. I think he was Ron Zook two years or three years. Uh, I think it was three. Yeah. So I think it was like, Oh, I think it's like Oh two to Oh four. Yeah. And so like my, my two last two years of high school, 
were Ron Zook and Tennessee beat him both years. And me going to high school in Florida, like I rubbed it in constantly. And I was very excited. Tennessee was preseason ranked number three in 2005. And I was like, man, things are great. And then Tennessee didn't beat Florida until what, four years ago? Yeah. <laughs> 2016 it was, yeah it was it was my it was like it was like oh this is i was like it can't get worse and then tennessee lost to vanderbilt for the first time in my entire lifetime and then tennessee lost to kentucky for the first time in my lifetime and they missed a bowl game for the first time in like 20 years and they hired Derek dooley and then they got butch jones and then they, when, when, when they fired Derek Dooley, I was so happy. And then the Dallas Cowboys hired him. And I thought that was a personal attack on me. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's been – I think it, maybe it's my fault for being going to UT and being there and then working there afterwards and then going to grad school there. I think it's really my fault. I think I did it. Um, but, yeah, I'm glad that you're, you guys, you know, had plenty of, of success. The team I hated the most, winning a bunch of national championships. That was really, really cool stuff. Um, it's just, I'm not petty or bitter about it at all. My, my favorite Dallas Cowboys hire was, um, after Florida fired McIlwain and they brought in Doug Nussmeyer, uh, Florida's <laughs> offensive coordinator to be their tight ends coach. I'm like, how do you fail that hard and get a job in the NFL? Like blows my mind. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's tight ends coach. I'll give him like, it's, I mean, eh. it was like, it was like, but the funny thing was, it was like when Derek Dooley got hired by the Cowboys as their wide receivers coach. And then after he finally left and is somehow not bad at Missouri as their OC, um, but they wide receivers came out the next training camp. They're like, yeah, like this has been a great training camp because, you know, when Derek Dooley was the wide receivers coach, like we haven't run routes in practice in like three years. (laughs) Like, oh my God, like haven't run routes. It's like, okay, that's, uh, I should tell you enough, but nope. Stupidly enough, I believed every floor, every, every other year I went to those Florida games in Neyland Stadium thinking this is it. Here's going to happen. And, All right. Uh, I, think, uh, I think if we're talking about college football, I think that's probably the sign that we're probably good. Yeah. Um, oh, I want to know, who's your, who's your Stanley Cup winner? Uh, I, I just, I just got to go with my gut, and my gut's telling me horrible, awful things. Mm-hmm. And I just got to go with Vegas. Vegas? Even though I guess the law of Pete DeBoer is that he has to lose in the finals in his first year. But Who are they going to beat? we'll go Tampa because that team has to find another way to lose in absolute heartbreaking fashion. <laughs> like to me, they're just the new sharks. They're like the sharks 2.0. Oof. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Okay. All right. So you think it's going to be Vegas over, over uh, Tampa over Tampa. Yeah. I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be Boston over Colorado and I hate it. So that just, sounds awful. I it does sound awful. And I just I didn't think I didn't think about it until just now. But Colorado's good, but I think if they run into like really if they run into Boston's goaltending, I guess I, I don't know. I just and I think they'll get beat up by like figuratively and actually like literally beat up um, by some of the Boston's players. That that uh, yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I think the worst part about Boston winning it would be like anytime there's a threat about Brad Marchand. Or the Bruins, or how, how much somebody hates Bruin or hates the Bruins. It's just going to be people just like spamming you with like gifs of Brad Marsh and the, lifting the cup. Yeah, and I and don't like. I already see the one with Tom Wilson in it enough. Mm-hmm. I don't need to see that one as. Well. 
my here's my here's my theory on this. I'm picking Boston because I'm on record as saying I think Boston's going to win the Stanley Cup. So I like if I'm if I am like saying like if I'm pulling for something to happen because I said it's going to happen, it's not going to happen. So like you know, I, me picking them should be like a. a, a that's what's going to ensure they don't make the finals. So that's, that's, that's the strategy I'm taking, I guess. So, but no, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's always a pleasure. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, again, I, I know we got kind of like, we were all over the place, but I really do appreciate, you know, give me a chance to talk a little bit about everything that's been happening this week. And uh, you know, it was, it was really good. I think it was great, great way to get out, get that out. And I think it was a good conversation. I really appreciate, you know, having the opportunity yeah, to do that this is what podcasts are for. I mean, right. We talk about things. Yeah. So thanks a lot. And then, um, you know, if you're on, if, if, if you're any predators fans that are listening for some reason to hear me, um, he like subscribe to, the, to this podcast. It's really good. I mean, I, li- oh, it's thanks. good enough. It's, it's good enough. It's, it's, it's good enough that I listen to guys talk about the jets, you know, at, on, you know, when I'm in my free time and you know, that's, that you, that's gotta say something about the quality of it. So <laughs> <laughs> it's no but like I, i'm I'm being serious make sure you know support what they're doing they do a great job and, thanks and, i didn't realize you were an avid listener too so i i I'm, i i missed some here and there but i mean y'all gave me a chance like you're i think you were first or the second uh podcast that ever had me on and so i'm like yeah, i've gotta i gotta stay loyal like, oh, yeah, that's it's, it's great it, it really means a lot yeah but um yeah so brian <laughs> where can where can people find you uh, it's, it's at Brian Baston on, on, on Twitter. Mostly that's mostly where I'm at. Uh, you can on the four check, um, still doing the stats recaps, um, every night for playoff games, not just for predators, you know, and because predators aren't in the playoffs anymore, but for every game, um, and, you know, hopefully expanding my writing role a little bit. Um, there are a couple things in the works, um, soon. I don't know how they're going to go, but there may be something, in the next week or so that may develop. So I'll let y'all know that if, if I hear anything about it, but um, yeah, you can find me. It's kind of, you've, you've seen me surely because I'm, I'm very much always online. So um, yeah. All right. Um, with that, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at grit per 60 pod. Um, you know, feel free to follow us, follow Brian, follow all of our friends here at the hockey podcast network. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah and thank you again for listening especially if you made it through all this because we've been talking for quite a while um, yeah you weren't you weren't kidding before we started i was like no we're not gonna talk that long yeah, you weren't it, kidding it just one thing turned into another we just kept going but it was hey, really good you know it's it's all good stuff so yeah but uh thank you again for listening and have a good one i'm james and i'm andy and we host the Broadway Boys Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Every Monday, we talk New York Rangers, news from around the league, and all aspects of the hockey lifestyle. It's a power play goal! It's never been a better time to be a Rangers fan, so tune in and join us as we break down games, prospects, rumors, and more as we follow the Blue Shirts on their quest towards the Stanley Cup. Our takes are all our own. And not always legally binding. But you're not going to want to miss all the guests, rants, speculation, and the occasional overreaction. He goes to the net! He scores! He scores! The Rangers win! 
Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod and catch new episodes every Monday morning on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and more. And this one will last a lifetime! So what are you waiting for? Subscribe, follow, and listen to the Broadway Boys Podcast today. And be sure to check out all the exciting content on the Hockey Podcast Network. Oh, baby! This episode is sponsored by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. If you're anything like me and you're just not a neurosurgeon with a steady hand, you probably neglect what's below the belt. Luckily, Manscaped has us covered. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, and just released a new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Millions of balls are about to be nick free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. And when I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a rapid charging dock powered by USB. If you are listening to me speak right now, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code THPN, let me repeat, THPN, at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you.